Welcome to San Diego News Fix, The Backstory, where we tackle important questions about journalism ethics and give you a behind the scenes look at our industry and our newsroom. I'm Luis Cruz. San Diego County, like many places nationwide, faces a mental health crisis. For three days last year, nearly two dozen journalists with the San Diego Union Tribune followed patients, police, clinicians, dispatchers, and a host of others struggling for help to create a minute-by-minute account of our overwhelmed system. Joining us now to discuss this in-depth multimedia special report are Union Tribune Public Safety Editor Dana Littlefield, Communities Editor Tarsi Connors, Managing Editor Laura Sacalo, and we begin with publisher and editor Jeff Light. Jeff? Okay, thank you, Luis. And uh, first off, I wanted to congratulate Dana and Tarsi and the uh, large reporting team on this this remarkable project, which uh, I'm really looking forward to publication so that so that our uh, our audience can benefit by your journalism. So thank you for that. Um, so let's just start with Tarsi. Uh, Tarsi, maybe you could just uh, get us all up to speed on, um, on, on on what your team found out. What what was the reporting, and what did we discover? We um, we discovered things in two ways. We discovered things um, with the reporting that we did over the three day period. Um, and then a very, very deep dive of um, data um, and analyzed it to have a better sense of where we are today um, compared to 10, 20 years ago. So several of the findings that we we had were over the last three decades, the rate at which adults were placed on 72-hour mental health holds has almost doubled. For children, that number has increased nearly tenfold. Also during the the 72-hour period, there were more than 40 psychiatric patients waiting in ERs for a mental health facility to take them. Rady Children's Hospital during the 72-hour period always had at least 10 children who were waiting to be admitted for treatment. We found that over the past decade, the county has lost more than 500 beds in the community Those are the kinds of beds that um, people coming out of um, psychiatric treatment need. Um, It's it's for to to step down for lesser treatment. Those have have disappeared, um, making it really, really difficult. We also, and and as an example of that, we found that one patient at Sharp Mesa Vista had been there for 242 days because there was nowhere for them to go in the community. Scripps had a patient for 530 days because there was nowhere to go. And Psychiatric Hospital of San Diego had a patient who was there for 711 days because there was nowhere in the community for them to go for further treatment. Yeah, yeah. So these these are psychiatric patients who there, there's no place for them to be released to. I, and I think uh, in reading the project, we also see people backed up in the ERs with, with, with no hospital bed to go into uh, so that there are people who are judged to be a danger to themselves or others just uh, being uh, uh, like uh, chained to the gurney occasionally in, in, a, in an emergency room. Um, we see the, uh, the, the flood of uh, calls to police around the clock. Um, 
Uh, it's really uh, it's really an amazing portrait of uh, of the crisis in our system. Um, now, Tarsi, that seventy two hours that your team examined closely, um, uh, it is the uh, sort of the stage that this story plays out on. But the preparation to report on that goes goes way back and work that you did to help gain access and gain familiarity with uh, with the mental health system, I, and, which I thought was a novel approach and a, and a really smart one. Maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about how you approached the story. Yes, it was um, almost two years ago that we embarked on um, this whole project, um, really not with the sense of just how big it was going to be at the time. The goal was to try to get a better understanding of the breadth of the mental health crisis. We saw it in the jails that we covered. We saw it on the streets with the homeless. And we saw it in other separate ways, but not with not with an understanding of, of just how big it was in the community. So we sat down as a group and talked about what were the things that we needed to do to try to capture what was really going on in the community. We decided we couldn't do that unless we had buy-in from the gatekeepers. And those gatekeepers um, were invited to sit down um, at, at a meeting where we presented the project to them. That was um, Mayor Gloria, that was Supervisor Fletcher, that was DA Summer Stefan, Sheriff Gore at the time, and San Diego Police Chief Nislight. And after a two-hour meeting with them, they all committed to giving us access with some caveats regarding confidentiality and privacy so that we could tell the story in a much more impactful way. Following that meeting, we went on a day-long bus ride, um, courtesy of the county, that took us around the county to the various agencies and places where there, that touched mental health, crisis stabilization centers, um, nonprofits, and that, that was great. Then after that, after we had met some of the, the, the people who are actually on the ground doing all of the work, we spent the next six to eight months writing a series of stories to gain a better understanding of all the various facets of mental health, building trust with the people who we hoped would give us access later on down the road, and then eventually settled on a three-day period in which we would go out into the community. We chose, and I don't think I, I explained this um, earlier and I apologize, we chose a 72 hour period because that is the amount of time that a person can be held against their will if they are deemed a danger to themselves or others. So we wanted to capture what happens in San Diego County over that 72 hour period. And we eventually set on three days of last April and laid out where we were going to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's a fascinating project. And I think that process of uh, 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 gaining access, gaining understanding as a staff and building uh, a sense on the one hand of trust, but also of accountability, which is the basis of, uh, of, uh, of any um, 
journalistic pursuit, uh, you can re really see uh, the results in this project where you have a staff that's deeply knowledgeable and has access behind the scenes to what's going on in the community in ways that that I haven't really seen before. So uh, it's really quite powerful. Dana Littlefield, I wanted to turn to you because uh, uh, you were part of uh, orchestrating and engineering this project. And also you were one of those behind the scenes people, right? So uh, you spent uh, uh, many hours at the San Diego Police Dispatch Center listening in. I thought maybe you could share with us a little bit about that experience. Yeah. Um... You know, I've uh, for a lot of years, I've, um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of things when it comes to um, reporting on law enforcement, reporting on courts in particular, but I hadn't really seen on, up close how things work with dispatch. So being able to sit and watch those calls come in was really, was really enlightening, was really informative. We got to see kind of the pace of the calls. Of course, how the calls are handled, um, how dispatch, in, you know, from that end of things, how dispatch interacts not only with police who are dispatched to the scene, but also the PERT teams that were mentioned previously. It was it was really a, a, an interesting thing to see. Um, one of the things, again, having seen parts of this process in other venues throughout much of my career, I had not been privy to watching the pace at which these calls came in. And that was really, frankly, surprising to me. Um, also surprising was the volume of mental health related calls. We went in knowing there would be some, there was no question of that. But the the frequency with yeah. which they came in and how they were handled by the dispatchers, how they were, you know, kind of triaged, um, the wait times um, for, you know, for example, you've got a call that's holding because there are no PERT teams available or there are no officers available because the officers are already on scene at perhaps three or four other calls that are mental health related. So we saw that, you know, because of the resources that are and are not available, kind of how um, how things run on that level. And it was really, really interesting. And that information served as somewhat of a backbone to the telling of our story throughout those three days. Those calls that came in, when, what the calls were and how they were handled. It was a really interesting process and a nice, tool for us to use in telling this story over that three-day period. Yeah, I have to say, like, as a reader, it's a torrent, right? Yes. I mean, uh, what's going on in the community? Uh, I think, as Tarsi said, you sort of get a glimpse just walking around, right? Wow. Mental illness on display in the streets. Um, um, we see it in uh, in the, the stories we write about incarceration and about uh, jail deaths and about police violence. Uh, mental health plays a role through so much of what we cover, but boy, it was super eye-opening to see it happening like on an every-minute basis, which uh, which for sure is what's going on. Um, you know, the seventy-two-hour period, we just said, okay, we'll pick three days and we'll see. We'll we'll try to be in position to document what what goes on, 
and those 72 hours basically began with a you know a suicide at the Coronado Bridge, um, an everyday occurrence, not from the bridge, but in San Diego, suicide, uh, and then ended with the shooting of a, a, a CHP officer by a, a suspect who was having a mental health crisis. So sort of all of that unfolds in, in that, in this one story. Um, Laura, I wanted to turn to you about, uh, you know, the, the scale of this story, big investment of time and resources. Um, how does the newsroom decide what to get, what to cover, I guess, on an everyday basis? And then what, uh, what to cover in a special way like this project? Well, I think it's, somebody just mentioned one of our charges is to you know reveal hidden truths and to kind of get at the root of some of these things that are not maybe visible or visible in uh, an all-encompassing way I, I think in this particular instance we realized pretty early on in discussing that these disparate ways in which we're covering mental illness, whether it's uh, through the healthcare system, public safety, our coverage of homelessness, that this is something that touches on a lot of the work that we're already doing. But, you know, we're using a variety of factors every day to determine what we cover, relevance, impact in the community, uh, Proximity. Obviously, we're a, a local news organization. We're interested in what's happening in San Diego uh, County, first and foremost. Um, we factor in timeliness, conflict, human interest, all of those things to judge where we put our resources. And in this particular instance, or anytime we're looking at a project, we're using those factors along with some of these bigger picture kinds of issues about what what can we tell, what can we reveal, are there accountability factors involved? And in this particular instance, all of those things, I think, came into play in a pretty profound way. And um, I think the people involved in this project, you know, from beginning to end felt as though that was an important um, important project for us and and a commitment of resources that was well worth the the effort. Yeah, uh, job job really well done by that team. I'm thinking of you know some of the recent projects that we've committed a lot of resources to uh, the murders of journalists in Tijuana. Um. The Phenomenal Women Project about women's uh, uh, overlooked history of uh, women's achievement in San Diego. Um, the uh, Border Life Project by uh, Sandra Dibble. Um, uh, what do we have coming up that uh, you think we ought to be turning our attention to in the years to come? I think there are lots of topics that would warrant that kind of commitment uh, of time and resources. One, and, you know, we've talked about this a little bit. I think there's 
um, an important story to be told about rape and sexual assault in our community. Um, as you know, to me, that's, you know, it's a hate crime among other uh, aspects. And I think it's something that deserves our attention and our investigation about what's going on. I think the rise in fentanyl use and deaths and, um, you know, prank, which just yesterday the federal government um, sent a warning about. It's not yet surfaced in a significant way in our community, but it's definitely something to to watch. And I think the migrant deaths, um, which are a community story for us, I, I think warrant a lot of our uh, resources and attention. Those are, you know, three that just immediately come to mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a bunch, I think, that also are touched on in this project. Homelessness, obviously a, a really critical issue. Um, um, and um, uh, a persistent theme, income inequality, that's, that uh, uh, is seen in many different areas, uh, currently in housing. Um, uh, but uh, a lot of equity issues that are really powerful inside the community. So things to look forward to. Um, uh, congratulations again uh, to Tarsi and Dana and to the entire team for a really an extraordinary project. It's out in print on Sunday, might be online Saturday or Friday. I'm not quite sure. Um, uh, maybe as quickly as we can get it up. And with that, I'll turn it back to you, Luis. Thank you very much, Jeff, Laura, Dana, and Tarsi. You can read 72 Hours Inside San Diego County's Mental Health Crisis and watch the videos in this series by logging on to our website, SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. We should also mention that if you're thinking of hurting yourself or know someone who is, you can call the National Crisis Hotline for help at any time at 988. Again, that number is 988. That does it for this edition of The Backstory. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening and for supporting local journalism.